Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Chris Molinar. Um, Chris, let's start off by giving uh, everyone a little bit of an introduction to yourself, what you do, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Wonderful. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I am a real estate agent um, out of Saskatoon, Canada. So when we're talking about investing in the U.S., you know, um, I actually do have business partners in the U.S. So my business expands, you know, all across Canada. I've got uh, real estate agent partners that work with me here at EXP Realty all across Canada and now into the United States as well. I actually grew up in British Columbia, Canada. I moved out to Saskatoon as a a 19-year-old kid or a 19 year old young man, I guess you could say, and built my business literally from scratch. When I moved here, I had the clothes on my back and a $1,500 vehicle, which was quickly written off. I got in an accident and I was, uh, you know, knocking on doors, looking for a place to work, knocking on doors, looking for a place to live. I had, you know, no employable skills. uh, (laughs) And, and I, you know, I also had no network at at the time. And so um, I was fortunate enough to have some family, uh, one, I call a long lost family member. One of my cousins took me in for six months and I come from a trades family. I'm, I'm non-mechanically inclined. I'm the black sheep of the family. I've got five siblings. Um, I was the first of five to get my trades ticket and the first, I would say the first and only to get out so far yet anyways um, of the trades. But um, yeah, it was a, I had to learn everything the hard way. And so I always tell people that it's, it's a gift and a curse that um by the time I learn something, I learn it so well that I can teach it. That That's the benefit. But the, obviously, learning things the hard way isn't always so much fun. But but the, the interesting part of my journey, my story, yeah. is when I met a girl here in Saskatoon. Yeah. You know, it was one girl that brought me here, a different girl that keeps me here. So people <laughs> say, what are you doing in Saskatoon? You used to live in the in the mountains. It's beautiful there. I swear we had four months extra summer in BC, but um, I, I can't just say Saskatchewan women. That doesn't sound right, you know, but uh, um, so anyways, I, I was selling her on this dream because I was a, a second year sheet metal. No, I was a first year sheet metal worker when we met. So I was essentially just a laborer yeah. with uh, no university education, renting room and board from a, 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 in a house. Okay. Paying my own way, which is kind of cool, whatever at, you know, 19, 20 years old. But she already had two degrees. She had her life together. She owned her own place. So I'm selling her on this dream. I can be whatever I want to be. And so she basically took me into the bookstore and said, you need to buy a business book. I'm calling your bluff. Buy a business book. We're not leaving the store till you buy a business book. And I've been reading a book a week ever since then. And the book that I read was uh, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. That was the first one you picked up. It, well, you know what? I, it was either that book or something else written by Robert Kiyosaki, and it was forward by Donald Trump. Uh, that, that's what sold me on the book. Now, remember, this is this is 2008, 2009. Uh, Donald Trump was hardly at all speaking out about patriotism at that time. Yeah, you know, he different. he was yeah he was only known as uh, you know the guy off of that TV show kind of thing with the comb <laughs> over the business mogul, right? Um, so that's that's kind of my short story you know i got out of uh, the trades and now i'm this is my 10th year in real estate so awesome so we were talking like well you said we were talking a little bit beforehand and we we're uh, um 
one of the topics that kind of triggered me is retirement. And um, yeah. I, I think it interests everybody. Um, some people think that real estate's the way to retire. Some people um, get into real estate and realize they still need to retire from real estate. <laughs> Maybe we, we can go down that path a little bit, but you know, the retirement path and how, how, you, how you see this uh, kind of working out. You know, it's interesting. I, I call it the retirement philosophy. Uh, especially when, so like in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he talks about if you want to increase your income, you got to learn sales and, and or leadership. And it really doesn't matter what you do for work. You could be a doctor. You need to learn leadership and business to own your own practice. You know, you and that applies literally to any technician related job. Yeah. If you want to be an entrepreneur and you work for a big company, you still need to learn leadership in order to navigate your way up the ladder, so to speak, and incre to increase your income. And no matter what, you need to learn sales so that you can sell your ideas, if nothing else. And so and that's essentially what I did. But the funny thing is, when you're working by the hour for the man, so to speak, and you're making 50 grand a year, maybe 100 grand a year if you're doing well, and yeah. you're like, okay, I could retire on a million bucks. But but once you start making 250, 300, 500 a year, I don't know if I can retire on a million bucks. That's only two years worth of income. And so it's that's why it's a philosophy, right? And then here's the other thing. Like, sure, in theory, your expenses should go down. But what we've learned with inflation is that they actually don't go down. They go up, especially when you're when your health, like towards the end of life, you, your health expenses kind of go through the roof. And in theory, if we all knew when we were going to die, it wouldn't be such a concern as to where we spend our money because it's kind of like as long as we spend it before we're gone, our kids can go earn their own money. Forget it, right? Just kidding. Yeah, but yeah. but the truth of it is, you know, it's like I actually want to be making the same amount of money or more in retirement than I do on a regular day to day basis. So yeah, at least I don't want to. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to retire on fifty grand a year or thirty grand a year. Like that's not fun. So it's a philosophy. Plus, here's the other thing. The more successful you are in terms of your ability to retire early, the longer your money needs to last. And one thing I've determined recently is in this market today, man, have we ever learned how quickly things can change. Look at Warren Buffett, what he did with his assets during COVID. He liquidated everything. And for the first time in his entire life, he had to start hiring people to find places to put his money. You know, it's such a big shift, you, you yeah. know, and and you see what happened to the 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 market in 2008 down in the U.S. with, you know, mortgages and housing and, and all kinds of stuff. And my biggest complaint right now is living in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, is that we don't see the fluctuations in pricing as you do, let's say, in Ontario, B.C. and many other markets in the U.S., especially what we've seen since COVID. And so now... Um, I actually liquidated some of my rental properties because it's just not fast enough. I used to be able to do somewhere between 10 to 15, up to 20% if you're really doing well um, on like a, a rental property, single family rental, um, just buying at reasonable market value, maybe a very slight discount, find a cash flow property with a suite or something um, in a good area, good tenants. And you'd pay down the mortgage, let's say 10 grand a year, whatever it is, a little bit of positive cash flow very little appreciation, but you're like, you know what, 10, 15% return. That's pretty good because annually inflation is 3%. I'm beating inflation. We're getting ahead. I'm happy. A little higher now. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Inflation, like think of it. If, it, you know, I think okay, 2019 pricing versus pricing up today even has softened a little bit with the increase in interest rates. Well, first of all, 
those interest rates are starting to eat away at that mortgage paydown you used to have, which was the best, safest bet in a real estate investment, okay? Now, I know we don't know what the future holds, but that's part of the problem. Right. And then now you look at, for example, um, realist, what's what is the actual inflation rate? So all we know is gas prices and grocery prices have close to doubled in the last two to three years. Yep. Real estate prices have gone up on average. I don't really want to put a blanket statement, but I've seen in many areas, I've seen 40% increase in prices. I've even seen 100% increase in prices in I some areas. Yeah. So now- so that's where I'm saying is like, so if you buy a rental property in an area where the price has gone up 40% rate, that didn't happen here. Um, so I'm like, I got to find something better. So I'm investing back in my business and, and generating more cash. But, but then the problem is, of course, again, where do you put it? And I think that's the ultimate concern right now when it comes to retirement. Number one, how do you want to live? You know, when are you going to retire? What are you going to do with your time? That's a whole nother conversation. But, but also the question is these days, where do you put your money? Like, here's a great question I love to ask people. It's a philosophy question based around retirement. So all of a sudden, $20 million falls into your lap. Where do you put it? Like, even as a real estate investor, even, yeah. even if you're one of those 0% down, all investor money for you type of real estate investors, okay, like yeah. we have out there, the working partner, so to speak. If, if you had $20 million instant access, where would you put it? I mean, sure, you'd start looking into commercial projects. Um but if it was your money, I mean, you'd be hard pressed, you know, and yeah, I agree. Right. You know, where, which, which type of asset help gives you everything you need? You know, are you going to put it all in one place? Are you going to put it all into a commercial development? And I mean, if it's not your expertise in your forte, a commercial development could go either way. Really? I mean, there's still a certain amount of expertise, you know, uh, required most definitely. Um, land development, you know, it's again, you, you better know your stuff. And and the thing with land development is I think it's one of the safest places to put it. But the difference between getting, let's say, a 20 to 40 to 100 to 300 percent return, whatever the number is, let's just say 100 percent return on a, on a piece of development land. Yep. Well, but you can see that return over two years, 10 yeah, years. Wow. Yeah. Or a hundred years. <laughs> so, so that's my point, right? It's like that. I, I really like that question. Um, you know, what would you do with the money? And then how much money do you need to retire? So it's like, well, if you want to live lavishly, if you have ambition, I mean, what, what is the number? So if, if you need money that you're going to withdraw on and you don't want to, you know, eat away at it and you're going to earn X percent, well, like, what's the number? Like five to 10, a million bucks isn't that much money anymore. Five yeah. to 10 million bucks is like, okay, you know, it's very doable. You see, you see people do that in rental properties, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, but the, the, the business is different today, but now is it, is it, is it 10, 15, 20 million, you know? And that's in some sense, you think it's a lot of money, but really if like in, in, you're in Ontario, yeah. um, how many single family rental properties, if there is such a thing in your area, um, <laughs> I should say if cash flowing, if there is yeah. such a thing as cash flowing rental properties, um, how many would that be single family, you know, rentals? I mean, you'd have to go to the suburbs and buy something for probably half a million bucks, right? Something. That's why I invest in the U S now. <laughs> but, well, that's yeah. the whole point. Yeah. And, and there is, there is areas you can buy stuff for a hundred grand in the U S. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe like just to kind of like pinpoint this, like, so to kind of backwards reverse engineer this if you um 
am I way off base, but you got to try and figure out what you need to live off of what you were doing. And then you just kind of reverse engineer it. And do you factor in cash flow? Cause like you said, you had some rental properties. Do you, do you just subtract that off? So say, let's just make up some random number. You did $10,000 a month, but you had, you know, $5,000 in cash flow from your rental properties. Would you just try to calculate the other 5,000 reverse engineer it to figure out how much you need as a, a, a a bundle to to draw off of is that where you where are we going no. with this when i started investing in the u.s i did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that glensutherland.com slash coaching a 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over zoom from the comfort of your own home classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions shortcut the process make fewer mistakes curriculum available at glensutherland.com slash coaching. You know, I guess, I guess if you're isolating real estate itself as an asset, I mean, there, there's, when you look at finance in general, there's, there's, you've got your income statement and then you've got your, your equity, your net worth, your, your balance sheet, right? Okay. So I, I feel like real estate as an investment does a really great job on the balance sheet, but it really doesn't do that well on the income statement. And unless you're a working partner that's constantly refinancing deals, there, there, there's a squeeze to be had there. Or if you're taking upfront fees to acquire commercial properties, something like that, and you're working that into your salary, um, you know, or if you become one of those types of investors and you charge for coaching, then uh, you know, now you've got some cash flow. Or if you're in the commercial side and, and there's a business attached to some of your investments, now all of a sudden you have cash flow. So for me personally, the cash flow side, which is what, I, the, and then there's the stage, like depending how old you are, there's yep. a stage of where you're at with your, with your business and whatnot. And so right now I'm at, I'm at the building stage and, and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing heavily on my income statement, which is building the real estate brokerage side of things. Yep. Um, so for me, for me, and then, okay, so you get to the point where your machine, your, your money-making machine, your business, so to speak, right? Yeah is chucking out enough cash to where you got to put it somewhere. And, that, and that's where this conversation comes to, yep. which is like, okay, well, uh, now you're, now you have excess surplus. Okay. So, so because if you've built an asset, so to speak, a business, let's say, where it's chucking out enough cash that you could retire, the question becomes how sustainable is that business long-term and how, and it, like, if you built it this year, next year, five years, you're like, well, good, cool. But like, I'm a young guy. Is this business model going to last me 30 years? There's a lot of unknowns there. Real estate itself, as much as it's slow and boring, it always has been slow and boring, but it's slower than ever and more boring than ever, considering there's lots of options out there now. Um, you know, it, it's still, a, I think, the best, safest place to put your money. Okay. Um, but but I guess the question is, I, I kind of feel like I kind of went off on a tangent here. No, no, I love um, it. But, but really, it's like, okay, so... I think you need both. So you got to retire on cash flow. So if you retire on cash flow, then you're relying too heavily on your business asset, I believe. So okay. you've got so you can easily quickly retire on cash flow as a relatively young person. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then you've got to build up enough excess to where now you, the equity that you've built up is kind of like your backup plan. And and so like if you've built up, you know, if you've built up a business that checks out enough cash for you to retire today, okay. And then on top of that, you've got enough excess that's built you a portfolio of assets 
that you could rely on wholeheartedly solely alone if the business falls, great. And then within that portfolio, you know, you've got to put yourself into, you know, a variety of different things. And again, there, there there's, you got to have some fun. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm not big into crypto, but I'm like, I think there's a certain percentage of, you got to have some play money in there, right? I mean, I'm not a gambler by any means, but there, I think a little tiny bit off the top, you should, you should play, you know, you got to have fun too. So oh, yeah. that's okay. my two cents. So I'm going to ask you a question then. Yes. This comes into your, you get handed the $20 million, right? Or you're going to yes. say that. Um, you're going to be putting um, a bunch into real estate. Um, how much would we go into real estate? What would you say? Uh, I, I, I could, thing. No, that, honestly, I could say easily, easily 70 to 80% of it easily. Okay. But, but the problem with real estate is there's, and especially because I do understand creative investing as a real estate investor too. Um, so now I would be constantly looking for other investment working partners. Cause I don't want to do all the work, you know? Right. Um, and so a certain percentage of it would go towards money lending um, because that's, that's cash on cash with, with a actual stakehold position, you've got leverage, you have yeah. a position on title. Okay. Um, and you're getting cash on cash, which is predictable. It's not, nothing's guaranteed, but you're like, I know if this guy doesn't make money, I'm still going to make money. I get paid before him. If you're doing a 50, 50 venture, you know, or something of that nature, when do I get paid cash on cash? You're like, I want to check every month. You know, it gives me, it gives me peace of mind, you know? Um, or whatever arrangement that you sort out. So I think a certain percentage of it, and then I might even find a business partner, like a house flipper or a home builder or something somewhere in a market where I understand yeah. um, and maybe even operate within. Um, but then of course, you've got to have your safe stuff and um, single family rentals are uh, management intensive. Multifamily rentals come with challenges too. Um, I, I like mixed use but they're harder to find. I like strip malls, but they're harder to find. Um, but I do think that there, I'd have to find, you really wouldn't need that many good, solid, decent sized commercial projects, maybe some warehouses, something like this. Yeah. And I, um, but, but now 20 million, here's a question is, is 20 million enough to really play a big game in land development? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're, I'm not talking about the guy who's turning every stone, who's a genius, who's like, look at this land is going to make me. I'm just talking about like, you just, you play a bet on par. Okay. How many bets can you play on par in, in uh, land development? Like, I mean, I'm not talking about the guy who studies this stuff every single day, because I know there's people with zero cash that study this stuff every single day in land development. And they know that this corner is a premium upcoming sector and they take somebody's money and they do a two year rent to own with some, person that owns this property and all of a sudden bingo they create cash out of thin air i'm not talking about that person i'm just talking about you buy a reasonable a, a play that's on par based on reasonable market value a slight discount maybe is 20 million enough to do all of what i said plus have it a really big play on the land development side you know you never know like you could always partner with somebody else who has some money um, you know, I'm assuming you're not, you're going to use some leverage on this. You're not going to go $20 million cash. Right. But I guess that sure. financing is expensive on raw land. Well, if you're money, if you're, if you're doing, so that's another really great point. Um, and, and I, I think the easiest answer for this is so on the money lending side, it is cash, right? You are the lender, right? Yeah. Um, 
But but I agree there there's some leverage to be had. And even if you want to play a safe bet, it depends on like, again, the philosophy thing is, first of all, you have that much cash. So, I mean, why would you take too much risk? How much more do you need? You, you know, so, yeah. I mean, so now your loan to value, you're like, okay, when you're a working partner building your business up, you're doing everything zero down, okay? And Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, those guys all say leverage it all, leverage it all. But it's like, well, depending on your threshold and depending what you're looking to do, but I'm like, even if you wanted to play a conservative bet, you could even go 50% loan to value and buy some pretty nice, sweet, juicy assets. Um, but I think the, the the best answer to this is wherever you end up putting it, you've got to find good partners. So to me, it's a networking game. It still yep. is. So you got to... To, you, you get the 20 million, go fly somewhere nice, relax, you know, have a few drinks, enjoy it on the beach. And then, and then um, find, find a bunch of really, really good partners. And then, and then the other fun part of this is what do you do with the, with the top, with the rest of the 20%. So I said that there's probably 5% play money, you yeah. know, in there. And then, and I think the other 15% is like, let's put some financial advisors to work. I don't want to give them all, all of it. I still believe in real estate primarily. But I, th I still do think I want some financial advisors in my corner that are watching and doing things for me and helping me move money around and and looking at my portfolio from a different perspective and those types of things. Um, so yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but I really like the conversation. It's kind of, if you don't have the conversation, you're never going to have the money. Yeah, I've heard the other side of this argument, too, is to try to like you know, first go and you leverage the heck out of everything to, you know, you're in a growth stage, you you have to, right? There's no other option, but to, to do that in order to get to where you need to go. And then some people will say, you know, just keep that going, right? Because the best, uh, best defense is offense. Um, and then the other side is people, some people like, I want to have a safer, I want to like, you know, level out this cash flow um, amount. And you could do that by deleveraging, right? Um, you could do that by uh, starting to invest in other people's portfolios. And it, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic because there's, there's so many ways to go that, with this, well, but I found one's the last thing, but when, when you're growing, it's, you're, you're doing a lot of work. Like at least me, I'm an active yes. partner. Yes. And um, uh, I have seen and interviewed people who've got to the, into the sixties and 65 marks and they have no way of stopping because <laughs> they have so yeah. much momentum and so many people relying on them that yes. there isn't a stop. Good point. Um, and, 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 from the outside perspective looking and it's never the same as when you're actually in it yeah. and and like 20 million is not even a lot of money when you get into it either you start thinking of it right there's so many moving parts and pieces and like what you just said you know people are relying on you and really i mean even if you think of 20 million in assets like what we talked about before that's not a lot that's that's like if you bought let, let's just pretend and i know this this maybe wouldn't be the best investment strategy sure but let's pretend you went to the suburbs in ontario and you went 20 million bucks, okay? Yeah. Divided by $500,000 a pop. That's only 40 properties. Yeah. You know, like sure if you're if if you're doing $100,000, you know, somewhere in the US, you know, per per house, that's a whole heck of a lot more. And if you go commercial, it's different. Yeah. Um uh, but I was going to say one thing, the whole idea of taxes. Like in the, and this is the interesting thing cuz my business is starting to pick up momentum and and one of my recent conversations is I'm already upset about the taxes that I'm going to pay it, you know? And so like the conversation I was having about cash flow versus um, equity, it's true. But then it, I think there's an appointment where it eclipses. So where all of a sudden your, your assets to, you, you have so much in assets 
that as long as the cash flow covers the asset and or the debt safely within whatever whatever level of comfort you have in your how conservative you are, um, you have enough equity at any point to where it makes more sense to borrow from yourself or at a reasonable rate of whatever you can borrow against your asset because because the cash flow still covers whatever you would use. Yep. Like if you're going to dip into your line of credit against one of your assets, the asset still covers that to yep. where it makes more sense than paying tax. Um, so the idea is, let's say, let's say I need, I don't know, X, Y, Z, million bucks. I need a million bucks for something, whether it's a new asset or whether it's, I want to go have fun, you know, yeah. um, or whatever. You need okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I borrow, I leverage against one of my assets and I don't have to pay tax because I'm leveraging against the asset. If I go make a, a million dollars in business and positive cash flow in a business, I mean, you're going to be paying, you know, X, Y, Z tax rate, you <laughs> yeah. know? So yeah, that, that's another interesting part of this whole thing too is, but like the numbers, so you've got the numbers, but then you've got like, it always makes more sense on paper to leverage everything. You know, here's another yeah. good conversation for the average person. Okay. Should I pay off my mortgage or, or should I invest? And so now here's the problem. Um, you are the tenant you have to pay. If your mortgage is paid off, you don't have to pay. If yeah. your mortgage is not paid off, you have to pay. So now the question becomes, if you are leveraging against your house into an asset, does that asset chuck enough cash to safely and securely cover itself and replace the mortgage payment that you are now paying? And nine times out of 10, that's not the case. Unless, unless you are extremely savvy, unless you are but, but the general advice you'll even get from a financial advisor be like, you're losing millions of dollars. But wait a minute. What if I go broke because my temporary cash flow crisis becomes, you know, sure, even even let's say, let's pretend that you borrow against your house and it's 3%. And let's pretend that you're averaging 8% with a financial advisor. In theory, you're losing millions of dollars by paying off your mortgage. Yeah. Right? In theory. But that cash flow... If you if you put yourself in a tight cash flow position as the average person, you might not make it that far, you know. And that eight percent is long term average. What if your eight percent dips because you need to liquidate that eight percent to put it on your mortgage? It's kind of like it's a balancing act. You and know then what there's I'm taxes saying? as well, right? They you you can't write off the interest on your principal mortgage, but you could write it off on your your rental property. So now you you know there's all these extra variables to play out. Yeah. <laughs> house hacking makes the most sense but the problem is you know most of us yeah, are married <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah 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 you know, when you're starting right it's good when you're starting that's right um chris um yeah before we go talking about your business um you you mentioned off the start books right um just quickly yeah, yeah. what are some of your like favorite books or what are you reading mm. now because I, I love books as well i love to i i'm not as many as you i don't do one a week i like to do one a month um but um what are some of your some of your favorites? Some that people like listening to like really need to make sure that they have have put through themselves, right? Read read from front to back. Depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So, are we talking Ooh. real estate investing, or are we talking business in general, philosophy, life in general? Let's just do what your favorites are. Oh man, I'll, I'll say 
I, whenever I get asked this question, I always answer with one of the classic personal development books like uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because it made a big impact on me. So it taught me how to communicate with people. Um, but I want to answer this question a different way. Like I started reading a book a week and then it becomes analysis paralysis. If you read too much, and you don't do enough. So okay. I also think that and then and then too, um, there's a difference between finding a valuable book that you can study and reading it over and over again and just reading, you know, plethora of. It, the idea is this, um, if you want to drill for oil and make money, drill one hole small and a deep and as fast as you can. If you're drilling a hundred holes, two inches deep, you're never going to make any money. Right. So the idea is if you can find one book that that's going to make the difference for you, read that book over and over again, every single week, you know, a, as an example. And then the other thing that's changed too now is with the internet. It's like, especially with artificial intelligence now, it's like, man, information has never been more accessible. And like, you can go on ChatGPT and be like, please give me a book summary for how to win friends and influence people. Uh, please rewrite it in Swahili. You know, please, <laughs> please break it down as if I was going to speak uh, on it on a YouTube video. Please turn it into a blog post and you can regurgitate it a thousand times. And so, you know, it's like, well, reading a book isn't what it used to be. It's, it's still valuable. But it's like, unless you're embedding it into your subconscious for a certain purpose, yeah. if you're navigating and, and looking for information and bits and pieces, I don't know that it's the most productive way to spend time consuming content, if that makes sense. So what would you say was the book that you've read the most times? Uh, right now I'm building my business um, in EXP. And so there's a couple of books that are all based around like leadership and recruiting. Okay. Um, and one is GoPro by Eric Worre and others is uh, Building an Empire by Brian Carruthers. And it's all about multi-level marketing because okay. um, EXP has a similar structure to that. Um, outside of that, I think for mindset related stuff, there's like Think and Grow Rich is one of the classics for sure. I've read that book several times. Yeah, me too. Um, and, there, and there's probably another 10 books along those similar threads that I continue to go back to. Yep. Um, and then there's books like... Um, uh, what is that book on habits? James Clear. Atomic um, Habits. Atomic Habits. That's another one of those where it's I've I, read that a few times too. It's so good. It is, but <laughs> but it's a weird, it's a weird book in a sense where like when you read Think and Grow Rich, it's kind of that you study it, you you apply it, you come back to it, you read it all the cover to cover, certain chapter at a time. Atomic Habits is different where like you could read three pages and apply something and never read it again. And that be that could be one of the most powerful books you ever read. It's it's weird in that way. Yeah, each time I get something different completely different book yeah it, it totally is and and he's got a blog and all kinds of stuff too it's 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 powerful stuff but um my my general overall this is something jim Rohn said he says uh somebody dedicated their entire life's work um into building this book and they're offering it to you for 12 dollars on any topic you could possibly think of it's take crazy. them up on that offer is right? it not? <laughs> yeah. yeah and and now you can regurgitate it on the internet it, you know yeah. and spit it out in two seconds flat yeah oh, man and now artificial intelligence i'm telling you man that that is a whole nother rabbit hole right now that is very exciting to see what happens exciting but also doomsday you know um <laughs> so it's it's a lot of fun though okay now. chris before i let you go uh let's talk yeah. about uh talk about your business uh, how people contact you let's go into that a little bit and then we'll uh, wrap this up yeah, yeah. I'll just say the easiest thing is if you like the conversation today, um, feel free to look me up on, on uh, Instagram or on YouTube to find out uh, more about what I do. And um, yeah, so I'm building a real estate company. 
And, um, you know, I, I do work with a lot of real estate investors as well. I'm always looking to network with other real estate people. So um, my name is Chris Molinar and my last name is spelled M-O-L-E-N-A-A-R. So if you look me up on almost any social media platform, I recommend Instagram and, and YouTube. But um, yeah, this is this is definitely a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Chris. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, right on. Thank you.